With the newest federal holiday, Juneteenth, being added to the calendar, this week we'll take a look at how to celebrate America and how to remember it properly in its historical context. I'm Big Red, speaking for the Big Red for America show. Let's get right into it, shall we? So what is Juneteenth? Essentially, it's the day where Republicans finally freed all the Democrat slaves. The Babylon Bee, the finest fake news source on the internet, got a quote from Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer saying, We are so proud to show the world how not racist we are by officially recognizing the day that Republicans came charging in to free all our slaves. Okay, so maybe that's not really what Juneteenth is. According to the History Channel, Juneteenth, which is short for June 19th, marks the day when, a fe- when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people be freed. The troops' arrival came a full two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. Juneteenth honors the end of slavery in the United States and is considered the longest-running African-American holiday. And then on June 17th of this year, 2021, it became an official federal holiday. So I can already hear all the leftist fact-checkers bemoaning the fact that I cited the Babylon Bee and essentially told the truth about what Juneteenth is, that it's the day that the Republicans finally freed all the Democrat slaves. Um, the AP fact-checking team already pushed out a, an article this week to really counter the truth. Um, they're quoting Joseph Lowndes, a professor of political science at the University of Oregon, and he says, It was the Union Army, not the Republican Party, that freed the slaves from Confederate states of America. It was not a Republican versus Democrat thing. Which I find very interesting, because the Republican Party was founded to abolish slavery. Abraham Lincoln, the first Republican president ever, penned the Emancipation Proclamation. It was the Southern Democrats who were afraid to lose their slaves that caused them to secede from the Union and start the Civil War. The Civil War was fought over slavery. It was the Republicans versus the Democrats in the Civil War. I'm surprised that Joseph Lowndes, that this professor of political science, would not understand such a thing. Oh, wait. I guess I'm really not. He continued on saying... The Republican and Democrat parties ceased to function within the rebelling states. And he's right. <laughs> the Republican Party did cease to function, and the racist Democrats just took power and became the ruling class. He says that there were plenty of Democrats who fought in the Union Army to sla- end slavery as well, which is true. Um, not all Democrats were, and were pro-slavery. You did have Democrats in the North who were uh, anti-slavery, but they were still very sympathetic to their southern slave owners. Um, and he continues on, furthermore, the Republican Party of today bears little resemblance to the one originated in the North in 1984. The idea of the Republicans being the party of black equality is only true if you get in a time capsule and go back 100 years or more. Let's see. Let's see how he, how he justifies this. He says, um, after the Civil War, the Democratic Party was the dominant party in the South and represented the main and maintained the Jim Crow segregationalist political order. But, oh, oh, here it is. But after 1964, white Southern Democrats switched parties. It's just amazing to watch him finish off on a lie. Um, Because historically, the parties never switched. But that's a point that I want to get into in another episode. But I'll get into a little bit here, too. Only one senator, Strom Thurmond, switched from Democrat to Republican after 1964. And the Democrat who filibustered the Civil Rights Act for 14 hours, Robert Byrd, who was a 
KKK member and an exalted Cyclops. Fun fact, he actually stayed Democrat for the rest of his life and had President Joe Biden speak at his funeral, as well as former presidents Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. So the Union finally defeated the Confederacy, and as they went along, they kept freeing all their slaves who used to belong to the Southern Democrats. And in 1865, the Union finally reaches Galveston, Texas, and ends slavery in the United States. This should be a cause for celebration and marks a huge historical moment for racial progress. And it also thoroughly debunks the 1619 Project, whose whole faulty thesis believes that the American institutions were created to protect slavery. Because obviously, Americans, white Americans, as long as well with black Americans, shed blood to destroy such an evil institution. And it debunks critical race theory because there's racial progress. Unlike what Derek Bell, essentially the father of critical race theory, uh, suggested in his book, And We Are Not Saved, The Elusive Quest for Racial Justice. He said, Progress in American race relations is largely a mirage, obscuring the fact that whites continue, consciously or unconsciously, to do all in their power to ensure their dominion and maintain their control. I mean, what a cynic. If he's talking about, you know, this racial progress this lack of racial progress, the bill passed unanimously in the Senate. So all, you know, 100 senators voted yes. And there were only 14 no's in the House. And these all came from Republicans. Um, Matt Rosendale, one of the representatives from Montana who voted no on the bill, he cited that the bill was a measure to embed critical race theory into our culture. And while some, even on the conservative side, chastised him from this comment, uh, looking at how the White House celebrated this, he's not completely wrong. So Biden and the White House chose to remember this day of great racial progress by sulking uh, essentially in the past and refusing to look forward. The Daily Wire in an opinion piece titled Juneteenth Proved that Progressives Don't Want to Celebrate Progress quoted Joe Biden as saying, Great nations don't ignore their most painful moments. Great nations don't walk away. We come to terms with the mistakes we made and remembering those moments, we begin to heal and grow stronger. And the author points out that this is an oddly negative way to describe the end of slavery in America, this great moment of racial progress. And the piece goes on to later say, however, uh, when we understand how the left actually views the act of commemoration, Biden's rhetoric becomes much more clear. He says, for the left, the end of something bad is not something to be celebrated unless it's primarily an acknowledgement of the existence of that bad thing. So like what he's saying is uh, celebrating the end of slavery, we shouldn't be doing that. We should just essentially just be remembering slavery. And then the next step of such acknowledgement is to act as a starting point for further quote unquote work. So the left, Democrats, you know, Biden, they don't want to celebrate this as the end of slavery. They want to celebrate this as the beginning of their new racial agenda, this new um, kind of racially divisive policy that they want to push. So, for example, Ilhan Omar tweeted out on Juneteenth, she said, proud hashtag Juneteenth is now a federal holiday. As we reflect on the significance of what this day symbolizes, you know, the freeing of slaves, let's keep fighting to address the lasting consequences of slavery. Next step, reparations. So the progressive left sees everything as a continuing revolution. You know, we can't actually stop and celebrate uh, any one step, even if it's a monumental step. You know, fighting to end slavery 
is a huge step forward for American race relations. But the problem is, you know, with the left, they want to progress to eventually tear down the all the American systems and create a new one in its place. And America can never really be celebrated because it's too evil. Some conservatives uh, like Michael Knowles, who's a great thinker, writer, and podcaster, actually disagree uh, that Juneteenth should become a national holiday because the left turns this moment of celebration into a celebration of greed and not thankfulness. But I disagree ultimately with this premise. Any holiday, take uh, Christmas for example, can be perverted into a celebration of the self, but the true spirit of the holiday is not a celebration of greed or getting presents or anything like that. It's celebrating, ultimately celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ who would go on to live a uh, life of perfect servanthood and then become the ultimate sacrifice to make us right before God. So while you can make Christmas all about yourself, about getting presents, about all of that, that's not what the holiday is really about. And same thing with Juneteenth. You know, the left can pretend that it's this moment to further divide America and push along their racially divisive narrative, but that shouldn't be the spirit of Juneteenth. Americans and conservatives specifically should not let that become um, the prevailing spirit and narrative surrounding Juneteenth. The spirit of Juneteenth should be one of celebration, really a celebration of our country that, like I said before, thousands of white and black Americans fought side by side and died to end the scourge of slavery, uh, that these Americans bravely put their lives on the line to try to fulfill the ideals of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, you know, that all men are created equal. After the Civil War, the Republicans passed the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments that made sure all citizens, regardless of race, were treated as equals under the law and making sure that they had the ability to vote. Um, so th Juneteenth serves as a stepping stone, really, that just launched the America's journey with civil rights, a largely positive journey with civil rights. Um, but the radical and progressive left wants to keep the public distracted so they can destroy the present. They want to extort political power from these minorities so they keep seeing them and keep force them, force these minorities to keep seeing themselves as victims so they can't rise against the Democrats and vote them out of power. Um, so that's why the Democrats want to keep focusing on racial division and really creating and spreading racial hatred. So conservatives must counter this narrative by understanding and, and teaching. We really have to take back the education system and teaching the correct view of American history. Uh, essentially that, yes, America did things wrong and that we're continuing to right these wrongs and we're creating the, pros the most prosperous and freest society on the face of the earth regardless of who you are, regardless of race. Um, but the left will, and the left will keep propagating this lie that minorities are suppressed even though uh, we've had a black president, black attorney general, Numerous black members of Congress, like Ilhan Omar, who, com who always complains about how racist America is, even though these racist Americans voted her into office and gave her power. Conservatives need to point out these lies and this fraud and expose the radical left and the progressives and force common sense Democrats to root out these toxic ideas out of our culture. Uh, remember, it, was, it wasn't Americans who owned slaves. It was pretty much exclusively Democrats. It was the Democrats, not all Americans, who created and propagated Jim Crow. 
So Americans, we shouldn't really be paying for these sins of Dem- the sins of Democrats. We shouldn't let the Democrats pull all of America into their uh, racist history. We need to put that behind us and continue to move forward as a society. And even now, what party tries to divide people alongside race? Which party is trying to teach people that some races are better than others? It's not the Republicans. It's not the Republicans and their ideals of individualism, you know, people and meritocracy. That it's the left. It's the left that wants to see everything as black versus white. You know, the system of white, you know, white supremacy that all Americans, all Americans are, are racist, either consciously or subconsciously. So, and the left keeps trying to tell minorities that they're in fear, that they're victims. They can do nothing to stand up against this system. So those are the lies that we have to combat because those are the lies that are keeping, really, that are keeping minorities down. Because when they internalize this sense of victimhood culture, they're just, it develops this sense of hopelessness. And if we want to bring forward a more, united America, which is what Juneteenth is all about, then we have to shed these lies. Conservatives have to be aggressive in the cultural battle, um, winning back our education system and really just debunking these lies and, and taking power, taking this narrative away from the Democrats. Another reason why it's important to counter this false narrative that America is endemically racist and that minorities can do nothing to escape this sorts of oppression is because it bleeds down into greater culture. It's not just an idea kept in the universities that a few kooks perpetuate and that little people believe. But no, this is now mainstream and it's impacting everything in our culture, even to sports. In the next segment, we'll cover the story of an Olympic athlete of of a black Olympic athlete who qualified for the Olympics but decided to disrespect her country and turn her back to the flag when the national anthem was playing. So speaking of celebrating the country, you know, with Juneteenth being last week and July 4th just the, around the corner, um, we're talking about an Olympic athlete who decided not to celebrate her country and turn her back to the flag after she qualified for the Summer Olympics. So for those of you who don't know, Gwen Berry, who's an African-American, uh, recently placed third in the women, women's hammer throw qualifier, which would allow her to compete and represent America at the Tokyo Olympics. And while she was on the podium, the, the national anthem played, which was extremely triggering for this brave athlete. So she did what any athlete would do and uh, protested, and she bravely turned her back to the flag and pulled a T-shirt over her head that read Activist Athlete. And then she proceeded to sulk next to the first and second place winners who were standing there patriotically with their hand over their heart. Uh, When she was asked just about this asinine behavior, she said, quote, My purpose and my mission is bigger than sports, she continued. I'm here to represent those who died due to systemic racism. That's the important part. That's why I'm going. That's why I'm here today. And just my response for her would be, systemic racism? Really? Like, you're representing a country so, according to you, that's so racist 
uh, it allowed you, a black woman, to qualify for the hammer throw and represent itself in the National Olympics. That doesn't scream systemically racism, to, systemically racist to me. But you know, this loon is along the same vein as other activist athletes like Colin Kaepernick and LeBron James, who make a butt load of money just to essentially trash America. Um, they call it systemically racist. They complain about how unequal it is while they're making millions of dollars. Um, and, you know, just to, just to trash that society that they're standing, that they came up in. You know, these guys are fraudsters. Just like uh, last week how we talked about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is essentially a fraud and how her statism is a fraud. You know, all these activist athletes are frauds because they're on the one hand standing at the top of society and then pointing back down at everyone else and saying, oh, no, it's so racist. Woe is me. Woe is me and my millions. You know, America's racist. Ignore the fact that I'm one of the most successful athletes in terms of LeBron James in my sport. People are comparing me to uh, Michael Jordan. They think I'm the greatest of all time. I make millions and millions of dollars, way more than I can ever spend, but I am so oppressed, you know, America so racist against me, and same with Colin Kaepernick. You know, he was protest. She, he was a poor backup quarterback in the NFL. You know, a lot of position, uh, uh, in a position that many people never make and would really appreciate being in. You know, he could kind of see that his time was ending at the Forty ers so he did that political stunt of kneeling during the national anthem, and then, even though he's cut from the Forty ers he got a huge deal from Nike. You know, Nike, that communist-friendly uh, company. He got, I don't even want to say how much, but it was millions, tens of millions. I want to say 30, but I'm not 100% sure. He got paid $30 million for trashing his country. So obviously, such a racist country is rewarding um, these minority athletes very well. And in terms of uh, Miss Barry, you know, I'm sure there'll be a deal for her. We'll see her on the Frosted Flakes box, the wee box there sulking and in, in a week or two, you just give it just give it some time. But it's it's really ridiculous how these rich, wealthy, successful athletes turn around and and try to chastise Americans for being racist. It's like, are you do you have any situational awareness? And I think, of course, uh, the answer would be no. And you can really just peer into the heart of Miss of Miss Barry. By just seeing how she continued to respond when being questioned by reporters. You know, this complete narcissist continued, I feel like it was a setup and that they did it on purpose. Like, what are you talking about? They played the national anthem to trigger you on purpose? Newsflash, the world doesn't revolve around you. Um, and she continued, I was pissed, to be honest. So it's, it's, a, it's good to have an Olympic athlete who says they're, quote, pissed. That the national anthem, the anthem of her country, uh, was being played, um, and she was she's previously been sanctioned before by the U.S. Olympic Committee after raising her fist during the 2019 Pan Am Games, where she finished first. So once again, super racist country sends this you know af- this minority athlete, and she wins. And how does she really thank the society that allowed her to do that? Um, is essentially by protesting and showing how ungrateful uh, she is. A lot of uh, conservative commentators argue that she should be banned from the Olympic Games, and and I agree. Why should we, you know, allow this person to have this amazing opportunity 
um, to compete at the Olympic Games, the dreams of many, many Americans that are never realized, why should we let her represent the country when she hates it? And my question for her would be, why would you want to represent a country that you hate and that's racist and that's evil? You know, go play for, for communist China uh, because, you know, the communists love their minorities. Oh, no. Oh, wait. No, they don't. Um, <laughs> it just, it's really just boggling to me. It's a, uh, and you just really see how much of a narcissist and how, and how really selfish this is and how selfish um, critical race theory makes everyone. It's just amazing to see this, see this athlete complain and just really be ungrateful um, and still at the same point be narcissistic and believe that everything's about her. And, and honestly, she continues. Uh, instead of taking you know, responsibility for her actions, she continues to blame everyone but herself in true liberal fashion. Um, she accused the Olympic organizers for being inappropriate. A New York Post article quotes her saying, quote, it was real disrespectful in terms of the Olympic organizers playing the national anthem. So once again, just a complete narcissist and, ab- and an absolute gem of a person. Um, but what, you know, how I would want to respond to her is like, really like disrespectful to you. First off, you know, get off your soapbox. Not everything's about you. Um, but she's complaining of how disrespectful the anthem is while she turns her back and disrespects the flag, you know, the flag that many men and women, um, died, fought and died for to give her her freedom. Essentially this freedom to disrespect the flag. It's just boggling to me. Like I said before, just no situational awareness. She just, she can't see outside herself. And part of that is, is the, is the, is the indoctrination coming from the radical left in terms of race is that everything is about you. Every slight is a personal, either, even if you imagine it, even if it's not a real slight, if you imagine that there's a slight that slights against you and that person's a racist and everybody hates you, it's just, it's the reason why Americans really, we need to, and conservatives particularly, we need, really need to be fighting this culture battle. We've lost the culture battle for the last, I don't know, decades. We've just let the left keep winning and winning and redefine, and essentially breeding and raising a generation of people, of anti-Americans. You know, and obviously their goal is to tear down the system and build, I don't know, a communist, communist state in its wake, but we need to fight back. We need to wake up fight and fight back. We need to push for more than just tax cuts. We need to be like Ron DeSantis and a lot of other Republican governors and ban this toxic fear thinking from our, from our schools and from our education system because we see this is the fruit that it produces. You know, critical race theory isn't just, and, the, and their toxic ideologies aren't just, you know, kept in universities it they've it's been passed on to students and now it's being taught in elementary schools and this is the outcome we will see more and more of this the longer and longer um we let critical race theory exist in american society so we need to bankrupt it from the universities banish it from the classrooms and conservatives we really have to lead the fight on this we have to leave lead the fight you know delving a little bit deeper into Miss Barry's thinking. A New York Post article really describes her hatred for the national anthem and really just her misunderstanding of what makes America great. She says, Land of the free and home of the brave. Do they include minority people? 
because black people were considered three-fifths of a person at that time. You know, she's speaking of 1819 and when the Star-Spangled Banner was written. And of course, you know, that's not correct. Only slaves were counted as three-fifths of a person. But um, really the, the broader point is that, you know, she's missing centuries of racial progress here. I could understand maybe if America still had slaves, but honey, you know, <laughs> with like with Juneteenth, 1865, less than 50 years after the national anthem was written, you know, all the slaves were free. You know, you need to, you need to get with the program. You need to be thinking in the present. You can't be thinking and dwelling on, you know, inequalities in the past and, let, and have you miss out on the present. And the White House, of course, um, supports, supports her protesting. Uh, Jen Circleback Basaki had this to say, uh, quote, Part of the pride in our country means recognizing that there are moments where we, as a country, haven't lived up to our highest ideals. Um, and an independent article by John Bowden says that Basaki reportedly told reporters that Joe Biden respects the flag and national anthem, which I kind of doubt at this point. Um, and he believes being patriar- being the part of being a patriotic American means recognizing the sins committed in America's past and recognizing the right of Americans to protest these wrongs. So really, in line with his thinking of Juneteenth, is that we're not actually celebrating the eradication of, sal- of slavery we're actually just celebrating sl- slavery is essentially what he wants to do and keep our minds focused on slavery, never have us moving forward, you know, because no progress can be, be allowed due to critical race theory. They can't actually move forward. There can't be any racial progress because it essentially just debunks their whole premise. Um, so like – so these two, Biden and Barry and even Bell, uh, Biden, Barry and Bell, all these critical race theorists are, are essentially frozen in history like I said. You know, none none of them have moved on since 1819. And like I said previously, you know, 50 years after the national anthem, less than 50 years after the national anthem, all the slaves have been freed. Um, And not long after that, they'd been given the right to vote and and gotten full legal protections under the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Um, You know, these rights that Southern Democrats, once again, had tried to take away immediately following the Civil War. You know, all these guys just forget that America passed the first Civil Rights Act shortly after the Civil War um, to help extend these ri- the rights to these new freedmen. You know, in the words of Martin Luther King Jr., America was bending towards justice. Like he said, the arc of history bends towards justice. America was bending towards justice and continues to bend towards justice. Uh, and then in 1964, so 100 years after, almost 100 years after Juneteenth, um, America once again overcame the democratic racism and passed the second Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. While it is important to understand what America did wrong in our history and learn from it, learn from it we can't dwell on it like Biden, Barry, and these critical race theorists want us to do. We can't dwell, we can't dwell on it. We have to celebrate all, America, all that America has done right, not only in our own country and in the world, you know, it was the, Amer- the success of the American experiment that essentially led to the explosion of democracy throughout the world. Take, you know, France, for example, that ditched their monarchy and even the British monarchy. So we lost more and more power um, until they essentially became figureheads. You know, if it weren't for the success of America, we don't know what the world would look like today. What if there would even really be democratic, democratic systems in the world?
Um, and not only that, you know, how much more f- we need to celebrate how America has made the entire world more free. You know, talking about ending slavery in our own country and then ending and then ending slavery really throughout the rest of the world and how we're continuing to fight for the end of slavery in the rest of the world. You know, America, whether you like it or not, America has been the greatest force of good in the modern world. You know, talk about fighting the evils of communism and fascism in the nine, in you know the late twentieth century, rather. Sorry, excuse me. Um, to bringing democracy to other nations, to you know lifting, really loving the capitalist system that has ended, almost ended, you know extreme poverty throughout the world. You know that these are things to be celebrated. This is why we celebrate America. We can't be bogged down in our past and just continue sulking like the Democrats want us to do so they can keep guilting us into giving them more power. We can't do it. The conservatives have to start fighting and winning the culture battle. They have to start protesting these ideas that they're trying to shove critical race theory into our schools and essentially teach our children to hate each other. You know, we have to start winning back the education system. We have to change the education system to essentially breed a new generation of patriots and not, not these, you know, anti-American, you know, communist wannabes that are being churned out right now. So part of it is, you know, I think while Miss Barry really misunderstands America, you know, part of it is it's the culture that she came up with, the, the culture that conservatives let, let fester and grow in America like a tumor, but it was never... It was never excised. It was never removed. So that is, you know, really my call to action at the end of this episode. Go out and love America. Teach your kids. Teach your friends why you love America. How America is the best force of good in the country. And we need to pass that on to our next generation so we can have strong Americans and we can continue being a force of good and not lie down and, you know, let communist China, who is horrible who is horrible, um, run the world. We can't let that happen. But in order for that to, in order for us to, to win back, you know, to make, to truly become a force of good again in this world, we've got to start here at the home, in the hearth. So that is my call to all you guys. Go out this 4th of July weekend, and love America. And not just stop after this weekend, but continue to love America. Do research. Know why America is the best. I know why America is the best, but you guys need to know why America is the best. That's my mission to you guys. Have a great, wonderful, safe 4th of July weekend. I'll talk to you guys next week. you like what you heard? Do you want to hear more from the Big Red for America team? Go down to the link below to get links to our Instagram, Twitter, Substack, and website. And as always, tune in next week to hear our most recent show. Thank you.